Charlotte, North Carolina, and this recording is from one of our church services. For more information, visit our website at churchofphiladelphia.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the message. understand there was a dedication to Theopolis. Luke is dedicating the book or writing the book to Theopolis. This, this, this well-known man, some, some consider him to be a Roman rich ruler. And, and the book has been dedicated to him, right? And then when you move throughout the book, when you get to round about verse number five, uh, probably round about verse number 25, it's talking about the birth of John the Baptist, how his birth has been foretold. And, and you understand John the Baptist's father is Zechariah. His mother is Elizabeth, who's cousins with Mary. And, 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 and while Zechariah is actually in the temple, because he was uh, the priest, so there was a role that he carried out for seven weeks when his time came to enter into the priest to carry out his priestly duties. So he would be in the priests carrying out his religious duties and stuff. And while he was there, he had a visitation from the angel Gabriel, and Gabriel came and stood next to the altar of incense because uh, 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 Zechariah, he would go in there and light the incense and stuff. And, and the angel was bringing a direct message from the father, from the throne room, and saying, and this is the thing because Zechariah as well as his wife Elizabeth were well in age, they were well past the childbearing years. And the angel is telling him that you're going to have a son and he's going to be someone great. And he begins to speak how this son, this child, is actually going to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus Christ. But the priest, now we're talking about the priest who's in the temple, who's in the house of the living God, is struggling with his faith. Oh, but when this same angel, later on in this cha same chapter, when this same angel, Gabriel, visits the virgin, the virgin's faith is very much different from that of the faith of the priest. I ain't going to get no help right there. I'm talking about the one who's been around the word, knows the word, teaches the word, who goes into the house and serves as a servant for the most high God, but struggles with his faith. Oh, but there is a virgin that hears the word and says, bless be this woman, for I am highly favored of the Lord, blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Young girl, the theologians debate whether or not she's a teenage girl, young teenage girl. Um, and if that is the case, young teenage girl, she's not struggling with this word right here. What you shall carry, you'll bring forth into this world that's going to be the salvation of the whole entire world. So because of his inability to believe the angel or the message that the angel is bringing forth, he, he becomes mute because of his rebellion to believe, his, his inability to believe God. He becomes mute for the whole entire duration of the pregnancy of his child. So there is no laying hands and speaking to the child while the child is in the womb. Now, now the mother may lay hands, the mother may interpret what the father's actually praying, but he can lay his hands, but he can't voice not a one thing for the entire duration of the pregnancy. And I don't know about you, it's, it's very vital that we pray over the children while they're in the womb. This living world, this, this, this water world, it's very important that we pray over the children while they're housed inside of the womb. Because though they're in the womb, it doesn't mean that generation and bloodline curses have not come to attack while they're in the womb. And so he, he finds himself becoming a mute because of his inability to actually believe God because he was struggling with the word. So when you move around about verse number 26, 
it's about verse 38. It's now talking about the, the birth of Jesus Christ being foretold. So we talked about how the same angel, Gabriel, he comes and he visits Mary. And he tells her what's going to take place. And she's saying, well, how can this be? Seeing not, I know not a man. And he's saying the Holy Spirit of God is going to overshadow you. In other words, this is going to be a spiritual thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But he's deemed you worthy to carry it. Oh, see, somebody ought to bless God right there. The thing that you have got to bring into the earth realm, God has deemed you worthy to actually carry it. Nobody but you can bring it into the earth realm. And you're still trying to figure out why the enemy is fighting you the way he's fighting. It's because of what you're carrying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the angel tells her what's going to happen and talks about how great this child is going to be so great. In fact, that you must name him Jesus Christ. And the angel uses the exact words where he shall be the salvation of the world. The salvation of the world. The salvation of the world. What I'm carrying inside of me is going to be the salvation of the world. This young teenage girl. But yet, she doesn't struggle with her faith. So I want you to see the faith of a young teenage girl, a young teenage virgin girl, might I add, versus or in comparison to the faith of an old-time priest. Been around the things of God for a good little while. Familiar with how God moves and how God talks and how God responds and how God reacts. But yet, when it comes to God doing that thing in your life, how can this be? Uh, because I'm looking at us, and when I look at me and my wife, we're well past the childbearing years. How can this even be possible that you're saying we're going to have a child? Uh, but if you know anything about the verse, when you read a little bit further, this is where you come. And he said, the angel begins to tell him, listen, with man, this is impossible. Uh, but with God, all things things and all means all in the Bible all things are possible with God all things are possible and then when you go around about verse number 39 same chapter chapter number one you find that Mary visits her cousins Elizabeth Elizabeth by this time is now because for the first five months of her pregnancy she was in seclusion now coming forward in her sixth month of pregnancy her cousin who is now pregnant herself Mary is now pregnant herself decides to visit her I'm gonna go see my cousin <laughs> it's nothing like when you go see family yeah uh, you see we got to stop holding out and go visit family go spend a little time with family because uh, guess what when she went to go see family some things were were, were reassured to her because the Bible talks about when Mary, the young teenage girl, saluted, greeted her older cousin. When the greeting got into Elizabeth's ears, it talks about how the baby John leaped in her womb. And the Bible lets us know that while in the womb, John was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible also lets us know that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Zechariah didn't get filled until after John was born. But, but here you got mama filled with the Holy Ghost and you got a baby that's in the womb filled with the Holy Spirit. And when the baby heard the vessel carrying his cousin, his younger cousin, came in there, how you doing, Elizabeth? John moved. 
It's not that it was even Christ the one speaking, but the power of Christ resonated in the voice of the one who was carrying. Because remember, we said we are carriers of his presence. She's literally carrying the presence of God on the inside of her. So that when Mary spoke, the baby responded. Whose interpretation and understanding is really not even there yet. Because the baby's still been formed at six months in the womb. But the baby had enough response to respond to the presence that came out of the mouth of Mary. The baby got a quickening. <laughs> See, we can speak the word all day long and something ought to be wrong if you're not being quickened by the word. Because the word is supposed to quicken us. The word is supposed to cause us to come alive when we hear the word. And the baby responded to the mother said, when your greeting got in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb. She was really saying, I couldn't contain it either. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so Mary goes and she greets her cousin Elizabeth, right? And then after, after they have this, 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 this time, that because Mary then spends some time, that she spends about three months dead before she goes back home. She spends some significant time with the cousin. And if you do the math, right, the scripture will let us know that, even though it doesn't necessarily say, but if you do the math, right, she comes there while Elizabeth in her sixth month. She stays there three months, which should bring us back to the nine months. But by the time she leaves, it's when she leaves, the Bible says that Elizabeth actually gives birth to John. Right? And so understanding this, all of these different things, and I'm pretty sure they talked about all these different things. Well, listen, listen, listen. We got some two people, two mighty individuals in our womb. And I'm pretty sure Liz, uh, Mary was learning some things from Elizabeth, her older cousin, who's been pregnant a little bit longer. It was like, well, child, what you do when, when you when you have them, you know, morning sickness? What you did for yours? <laughs> what kind what kind of things you was craving for, child? I just wanted some frankincense and myrrh around me. You know, just you know, just all kind of stuff that they're talking about. Uh, Joseph couldn't talk. Now, I ain't going to lie. God, God knew what he was doing. God knew what he was doing. I mean, Zechariah couldn't talk. I swear. Yeah, like he ain't got no faith. Baby, you all right? Baby, I'm okay. Just massage my feet. You, you understand? <laughs> you know, because men, we'll act, we'll act funny, boy. We'll act real funny when women are pregnant. It's about the most time we'll be sensitive. You want something to eat? Watch. Listen, we get more sensitive when you're pregnant. The truth be told, we'd be concerned about that baby. I don't know how much concern we'd be showing for you, but we'd be definitely be concerned about that baby. Listen, don't lay like that. Don't, don't lay like that. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you the truth now. It appears that we're real sensitive. Do you know we worry about that baby? We're trying to make sure you don't lay the wrong way and crush the baby. Like, hey, listen, you want to put a pill on your stomach? The woman can be like, my back hurt. Like, we ain't trying to give you that pillow for you. We trying to make sure you don't roll on the baby the wrong way. So I'm pretty sure maybe got some information from my older cousin, right? So when you go down to round about verse number 46 in chapter number one, Mary begins to give praise because she understands what is now taking place. She understands the importance, the significance of who and what's in her womb. And she begins to give God praise. 
Because just like the angel said, it has happened. And this is where you find her talking about how blessed she is because God favored her. Ooh, that's, that's all right right there. That's all right right there. You move down into about verse 57 throughout verse 66. Now John the Baptist is actually born. And you know, eight days after the child is born, especially being the male child, they take the child to be circumcised. So John the Baptist is actually born. Eight days have passed, and they're actually taking him to be circumcised. And it's here that they're trying to debate whether or not what the child's name is going to be. And all the neighbors are round about, and the neighbors got input. The neighbors got say, well, you shouldn't name him after his daddy. He should be a junior. That's his first boy. But something rises up in Elizabeth and she says, no, absolutely not. Oh, absolutely not. Hmm. Oh, because the Lord has already told us what his name shall be. His name shall be that of John. See, she, she could have easily, after being tired and, you know what I'm saying, pushing out this baby, labor probably been two days back in those days. She didn't have no epidural and all that stuff. She might have been dealing with all that pain and probably was a little delirious. But thank God she was filled with the Holy Ghost because she said, absolutely not. We will not name him Zechariah. The Lord has already given him a name. His name shall be that of John. But just in case, the people wanted to consult his father. His father still was a mute, couldn't speak yet. But because he made up in his mind, I'm going to go with what the angel said. I'm going to believe now. It's in him making a decision to believe now because everything that the angel has said has come to pass. So I can't believe now. You mean after it's already happened, I can believe? See, I, I, I bless God. I bless God. I still see the grace of God. You can believe me before it happened, but even while it's happening, guess what? I'm going to still grace you to get this little portion right, right here. I believe you for his name, God. Everything else you said, it just happened just like you said. I believe you for his name, God. And it's when he made the decision to believe that we're going to name him John that the muteness was broke off of his mouth. Oh, and when he began to speak, guess what? He didn't say, hey, John, how you doing? Look at my baby boy. You know what he began to do? He began to prophesy about what his son was going to do. You're going to be a mighty man of God, and you're going to prepare the way for this great coming king, that being Jesus the Christ. Oh, see, guess what? Your mouth has been closed too long. When you open your mouth, it should not be a high hello or no greeting. You should say what thus saith the Lord, like this great priest. Been quiet too long. Wishing he could talk. He trying to do sign language. They don't know a bit of a sign. Calling for papyrus all day long so he can write messages on. <laughs> I said I want some water. You understand? Trying, trying to just, what, what is the game you play when you trying to do stuff? Charades. He just, he just charading all day long. And Elizabeth like, you know what? I don't even know. I don't have a clue what he's saying. So I can imagine he's just frustrated. He just, mm, 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 mm. I would be a mad somebody too. Like, mm, mm. <laughs> I would be a mad somebody. When you're unable to express what you want to express, when you're unable to even express, I'm talking about the joy 
Your son is born, your firstborn son. You know how long that they've been waiting for this? One of the things Elizabeth talked about, she said, listen, because God has done this, he's rid me of my shame because I was barren at one point. But now God has saw fit to favor me, bless me. And here, Zechariah can't even respond because of his inability to trust God. Hmm. Right? So he prophesies what John is going to do, right? And then when you think about when we move into this particular chapter, chapter number two, we now deal with the birth of Jesus Christ. The birth of Jesus Christ. So, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this is all the known world at this particular time. Rome is the governing power. Is that B right now? And so in this strategy, part of this strategy is, listen, we're going to take and make this registry of who's always present. Because when you're talking about this word tax, and the Greek is talking about, first definition is talking about what? To enter public records. So a registry. But then I like this right here. As I did a little bit more studying on this whole tax thing, because one, we understand it is public records or registry, right? But then, simply put, it's just a roll call. R-O-L-E, meaning, uh, yeah, we got to label you and understand what your function is. <laughs> oh, tell somebody. R-O-L-E. Because there was a difference from R-O-L-L. R-O-L-E, we're letting you understand what your function is. And when you understand, we must know what your role is in the body of Christ. And see, for some of us, you have a function because guess what? We talked about when God created you, he created you with identity. He created you what? One of the other things he created you was with function. Three things he created, identity, function, and difference. So we must know what your role is. Now, isn't this funny? We all have a role. Each of us has been given a role that we must carry out here in the earth realm on behalf of heaven. But you find many people absent from carrying out their function or their role. Matter of fact, there are some people who actually hate the roles that they've been given. In other words, simply put, you know, you know that cliche, hey, stay in your own lane. You find folk trying to get in somebody else's function, trying to get in somebody else's role. No, stay in your own lane. You have your own function that we need. But then some people will look at their function or their role, and it seems to be insignificant in comparison to somebody else. And that's where you find yourself trying to move into someone else's lane. No, 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 no. But heaven needs what you think is insignificant. 
think about it. Birthing a child was something that happened every day. And back then, it was, it was common for Jewish people to have multiple children. Remember, because they think the, the, the larger the family, this, this denotes they are blessed. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. Right? So they don't have no birth control. Oh, I'm blessed. The more children that I pop out, I'm blessed. So giving birth was a common thing, but what they had to understand, both Elizabeth and Mary had to understand, listen, it is a common thing to give birth, but that that you're carrying is not a common thing. So although you're doing what seems to be a common thing, giving birth, we need the function that's going to come out of the individual that's on the inside of you. We need their role. Where would we be without the role of Jesus Christ? Where would we even be without the role of John the Baptist? When we talk about being taxed, then we fall into the R-O-L-L roll call. And you understand that to be the practice of calling out names on a list. And see, some of us, you need to have your name called. Because guess what? When we call roll, we're making a determining factor whether or not you're present or absent. And how many of you have been absent when it comes to doing the will of God? How many of you have been absent when it comes to you taking up your position or operating in your function within the kingdom of God? So it used to be back in the days, uh, y'all remember when the pastor would come and he would roll call us? Uh, after somebody like me got called first, <laughs> it wasn't not, but that roll call wasn't always about whether or not I was absent or present. That roll call was trying to see whether or not I was operating in obedience to rebellion. Then you can be present and actually not be present. So then there were days I understood that I was being called out because I was physically there, but mentally I wasn't there, or emotionally I wasn't there, or spiritually I wasn't there. I wanted to be somewhere else, doing something else. But yet you already understand what the prophetic decree was about your life. I have need of you for the sake of my kingdom. Most of us, we understand that. There was a call that is upon your life. And it is you too. It is from your mother's womb that you have been called. I'm, I'm going somewhere. Just, just, just rock with me for a little bit. Because worthy is the lamb. So just rock with me for a little bit because worthy is the lamb. Right? So when you're taxed, we understand it is the registry. Timmy! T Timmy! Are you here? Right? See, sometimes we have to call multiple times just to make sure, just to be sure. Y'all teachers know what I'm talking about. Just to be sure. Just to be sure. You know. But then what about when you call somebody and they're not here? Prophetess Benita? I can't take the word of the child. Prophetess Benita, and I look where she's been assigned to. 
And I noticed with my own eyes, she's not there. And then that's when the child said again, I told you she wasn't here. But I don't get mad at the child because the child is being the child. But me as the responsible adult, it is my responsibility to take this roll call. And I mark you absent. Not here. And then if you know anything about roll call or taking roll in school, if, 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 if your school worked like my school and you wanted the children to be happy, you would let that be one of the children's assignment. Here, take that to the office. You're just skipping down. Mm-hmm, what you doing? I'm taking a roll to the office. So what am I saying? Okay, uh, there, is a, there is this roll call, this list of names that must be turned into heaven. Lord, when we needed them to pray, Prophet Benita was not here. When we needed them to release their faith, such and such was not here. It, it doesn't matter why, you could be out sick. You still were not here. You could have been out of town. You still were not here. When heaven had a need of you, because guess what? Heaven has need of you every day. And how many days have you taken off days and just decided to skip class? Because you're no longer in elementary school no more. Some of you have graduated. You're in high school. You, and you decided to I'm skipping class today. I'm only concerned about me today, me and my family, me and my household, me and my emotions, me and my struggles. So you know what? I don't have to want to deal with nobody. So you guess what? I'm not going to class. I'm going to get in this car and not go into school today. Oh, yeah. Ducking class on prayer and intercession. Ducking class on evangelism. Ducking class on loving folk right. Ducking class on honoring God and honoring people. Ducking class about deliverance. Ducking class about coming subject. Ducking class when it comes to obedience. Ducking class when it comes to worship and praise. Now, I want to take that today. Because you understand there were some teachers you don't like like that. Then there's some teachers because they try to be your friend and stuff. That's my favorite teacher right there. But it's that teacher that you really don't like, the one that check you about everything. The one that just marks your paper up with a red stuff. It's that teacher you can't stand. But it's that teacher that means well for you. Uh, It's that teacher that's not allowing you to settle. Oh, y'all don't like that right there. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's that teacher that's not afraid to stand flat-footed in your face. You wrong. Now go sit down. (laughs) <laughs> you don't like that teacher right there. But in reality, that's the one that cares about you. Because we tell you, you know someone loves you if they're willing to tell you the truth. Love is, an, I guess what, correction is a demonstration, an illustration of love on display. If the teacher is willing to correct you, you know this teacher truly cares about you. Now, I get it. Certain teachers have their own way of caring about you. But this teacher who's willing to check you like that, she said, listen, open rebuke is better than a secret love. I ain't about to just love you in no secret. Oh, no, everybody going to know openly how I feel about you. No, you're not going to settle. You, you, be, you better than that. But how many of us have been there? We've been cutting class. 
Okay, maybe you're not on the high school level and you don't went to college. They still take role in college. But now it's just hinging on your discipline. Because the reality, I don't have to go to class if I don't want to go to class. I can, I can sleep in. But guess what? When you made a decision to sleep in and, and you didn't get up for five o'clock prayer and talk to God. Oh, my God. Nah, because I stayed up too late last night. And you know what? It was my intent to get up. But guess what? Good intentions didn't bring the results that we needed. Lack of discipline. Failed to have you talk to God at five o'clock and give God an opportunity to talk back to you. See, college is all about discipline. It's not about your smarts. You've proven that you're smart enough to be there, but are you disciplined enough to remain there? Because you got some of the smartest folk that have no discipline and flunk. I'm not going to talk to me, but I'm going to talk to you. You got some of the most educated people, but lack discipline and could not make it. So this is about your discipline. Nobody's forcing you. Nobody's making you to go. You have the option whether or not you're going to go on your own. Will you be disciplined to go? You know, some of us, we play the game, well, I'm not going to go the whole class. I'm going to come when it's like the last 10 minutes so I so they know that I can't. I'm going to ask folk for some notes and stuff. I don't understand their notes. Have you ever really tried to understand somebody else's notes? It's like, I don't know I mean, what in the world. <laughs> um, leave it alone, man. It's, it's, it's hard trying to understand someone else's note-taking about life. Just in, in how we write. Just the fact that I don't even understand your handwriting, first off. And I understand when we be taking notes, when you take notes, folks not going to wait on you, so you got a shorthand note, and I don't understand what your shorthand means. I don't know what this arrow means. I don't know what this start, this asterisk means. I don't know what, like, what the fuck, what is all of this? You know, you have your own system of how you take notes. And the truth be told, you hear what's important to you, what you think you're supposed to remember, what you think you believe is going to be on the test. What you wrote, I probably would never even wrote. So first of all, I don't even understand your sloppy handwriting. Secondly, you got all these designs, flowers and stuff. <laughs> what the, what the, why, why is the flower on the paper? You know what I mean? Because folk be doodling and, <laughs> and they swear they know what the professor's going to say. And then nine times out of ten, most of them believe they're smarter than the professor. So that's why they doodling and all these things are taking place. But you, you know, you really need help. I don't need all this doodling. I actually need some notes, some real notes. This is about your discipline. When you get on this college level and most of us are not going to ask to stay out the class because we got stuff to do. So I'm not going to stay out the class and ask my professor, oh, can I get your notes? Did you help me? Because you don't want to appear 
that you don't know. But the truth of the told, you don't know because you were absent. You failed to walk in discipline. I don't even know how we got this way. Now, suppose you actually graduate college and make it. Walk across the stage, and now you're supposed to be trying to make application of your degree in the real world. Because I know I've been there we're like, man, what does this have to do with it? This thing, nobody even going to use this in life. Really? Oh, there's, there's going to come a moment you're going you're gonna to pull back on some of that stuff. You're going to pull back. So listen, it pays for you to be present, to operate in discipline, because when you have to apply this to the real world, you can't just, you can't just be taking days off in the real world. Because guess what? Babies are going to cry at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and guess what? You can't take that off. You, no, you got to get up and go handle that. When children get a little older, but they're not at that age where they can actually put, fend for themselves, guess what? They're not going to stop being hungry. You got to get up and go take care of that. And until you die, guess what? It's something, it's something, it's something that's made out of paper that's going to visit you every day. Nowadays, they're trying to stop it because they're trying to stop killing the trees, and now they send it electronically. But the point I'm making is something called bills that's going to keep on coming. Mm. Right there, folks should have gave God a praise right there. It's something called bills. Uh, the truth be told, most of y'all days are thrown off because of bills. Your whole month is thrown off because of your bills. Yeah, a whole month is thrown off because they have more bills than they have money for the month, and their whole month is thrown off because of bills. <laughs> the bill. So the bill has a role. <laughs> The bill has a function. It has a function in your life to get you to do what? Trust God, to believe God. And we overlook the function of a bill. Afraid to believe that God can do it. It's a $65 water bill. Something, me too. I got mine, they double that joint. I said, ooh. Oh, it reminded me when we first got in our house, we went back to the privatized ward. I said, what the father is this? Then you show the oldest one who want to stay in the shower 45 minutes. You said, listen, you ain't paying the bill up in here now. You ain't even that big for 45 minutes. You understand what I'm saying? It don't take you no 45 minutes to wash you with your short self. Don't take that long to watch you. 45 minutes? And other folk getting in here, we barely got hot water. We taking lukewarm shower. Like God spitting on us. Lukewarm shower. <laughs> you caught it? Y'all caught it, right? Like God spitting on us with this lukewarm shower because you want to stay in there 45 minutes. So me, I decided to show him the bill. I was like, you see this? You with your 45-minute shower taking self. Oh, then the eyes get big like, yeah, and you don't have nothing to put on it. So the least you can do is discipline yourself and, and cut your 45 down to 10. 
Because you don't have no, you can't help us by putting anything on it. So you can help us by disciplining yourself and cut your 45 down to 10. Or else you're about to get them timberlands with the little mountain on the side and not a tree. <laughs> not a tree. It's going to have that little mountain, you know, that little three, that little that mountain that look like this. <laughs> somebody, know, somebody know what I'm talking about, them scat timberlands. When you can see the glue on the sole, <laughs> that right there. You better stop playing with me. <laughs> we still on this old tax, man. Listen, so understand. So that's the roll call, right? Now, the other thing, when you talk about this whole being tax thing, it lets us know tax is also defined as being subject to excessive stress or pressure. There was a tax, a decree to be taxed for everybody in the known world at this time to be taxed. And see, we can just run past this and think this doesn't mean anything. But give me verse number two. We're going to roll through this, right? It says, and this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. Go to three, it says what? And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. So what was actually taking place? Joseph and Mary, who is pregnant with Jesus, yes, you are, were out of position. But look at God mm. with his all-knowing self. I'm going to go ahead and let this Roman emperor tax the whole world to get you in position. See, some of you, you didn't find yourself in the public registry. You didn't find yourself when we talked about the roll call, R-O-L-E, talking about your function. You probably didn't even find yourself when we talked about the roll call, R-O-L-L, whether or not you're present or absent. But guess what? I'm going to find you right here. Because all of us have dealt with some excessive, excessive stress or pressure. And it's nothing like God. He will allow this excessive stress or pressure to happen in your life to do what? To manipulate things to get you in the right position. <laughs> oh, see, nobody don't want to thank God for that stress in their life. You're too busy finding that negativity in the stress. But rather than seeing God allow it, because guess what? Maybe I'm out of alignment with God. Maybe I'm out of position with God. Maybe I'm out of place with God. And God allowed this to get me back in position. Because we got the Virgin Mary who's carrying the Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, and Joseph who are out of position, out of place. But God allowed the Roman emperor to uh, let this tax go forth. Because guess what? I got to get you back in place. In the right place. Because the scripture declares that he must be born in a certain place. Right? Go to verse 4. It says what? And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth. So look where he was. They were down there. They went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth. And see, Galilee is actually interpreted in the Greek as circuit, meaning circle, cycles. How many of us can't get out of the rut, the cycles of things? The reality, all you need is a little push. 
And sometimes it's that pressure or that stress that God allows to come into your life to give you a much needed push. Truth be told, most of you saying, I, I just need it. I just need somebody to help me. Reach out and help me. Have you ever thought about the stress, the pressure? It's one of God's ways of actually reaching down to help pull you out. Because guess what? When you got stressed, if you like me, it causes me to pray. Oh, I got to talk to you, God. Because if I don't talk to you, God, the stress and the pressure of this situation, of this circumstance, the stress and the pressure of dealing with this person, God, this thing is about to make me respond, to react the wrong way, God. But before I do that and find myself locked up, God, I got to talk to you, God, so that you would give me some type of direction, God, so that you would give me some type of instruction, God, before I zone out, spares out. So a lot of times you got to change how you look at stress pressure because guess what a diamond can be a diamond without pressure see all you see is the cold but you don't see what's been formed on the inside and if that pressure is not applied to that piece of coal then guess what that diamond cannot break forth and sparkle That's what, there, was a, there was pressure even in, 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 in caring of a child or birthing a child. There was pressure to help push this child into the world. See, I'm trying to get you to look at pressure different, stress different. Hmm. So he said, Joseph also went up from Galilee. He came up out of the cycle, came up out of the circle. He said, out of the city. Of Nazareth. Nazareth talks about being the guarded one, right? The guarded one. That's a lot of us, self-guarded. In other words, when we talk about the guarded one and being self-guarded, you're so defensive. When you're not defensive, you're offended, easily offended for anything. We spoke to you. Hey, how you doing? Nobody asked you to talk to me. You mad about how I said hello? Who says hi? What the father? Everybody ain't trying to stay in the ghetto. Some of us have learned to speak better, more effectively, more proficiently, right? So now, what's up? Hey, hi, how are you? Hello. Good morning. And if you really get rid, top of the morning, tell you. You know? Ah, some of y'all, we, we, some of us, we still have that ghetto mentality. Truth be told, you ain't get up to three o'clock. Morning's already gone by the time you got up in the ghetto. We didn't even get a chance to say hey, good morning to you. But when focus of garnet, defensive or, or, or so offended, everything tends to bother them. So he's coming out of this place of Nazareth into Judea, onto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, which is being interpreted the house of bread. God had to allow the tax to go forth because I got to get married to Bethlehem. 
prophecy said, this is where he shall be born. How much so if he is the bread of life that he must come out of the house of bread? Yeah, I'm not trying to why, I'm just trying to give you an understanding. He allowed the pressure and the stress of being taxed. He allowed the roll call to take place to make sure that they get in their proper place. You got to get in Bethlehem. The child must be birthed in Bethlehem. He's the living bread. The living bread must come out of the house of bread. He says, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. Take me to verse number five. This is well. To be taxed with this, with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Take me to verse 6, it says, And so it was, that while they were there, the days were accomplished, that it should be delivered. Here's where we get into our, if you want to call it our preach verse, verse number 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Hmm. And laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, we're still in our current sermon series, and it's not your typical Christmas message, but God saw fit for us to talk about the birth of Christ some way, shape, form, or fashion. He did it. You see how God let things happen just, just to come back to his birth of his son? Oh, but when heaven gives a gift, right? So we're still talking about deliverance. And when we originally started this series, remember we came out of the book of Matthew chapter number four where Christ was in the wild place, the wilderness. And, and he had to go there to deal with the wild mindsets, the wild emotions, the wild soulish things that we deal with, the, the wild actions, the behaviors and conduct that we tend to operate in. He had to go there. Hmm. This is the thing. There was no room for them in the inn, right? The inn, when you look at these particular inns at this particular time, this was not necessarily what, how we interpret inn over here in the West. This wasn't lodging rooms, putting folk up. No, the inn was simply a place. It, it was a structure that might have had maybe, what, three walls or something like that built up that you can access Put it like this. Simply put, the end was to cater to your animal. Not you, the human. You, a traveler, I'm giving your animal, because guess what I understand? You are riding on the back of your camels and your donkey, so guess what? I'm going to cater to your camel, and I'm going to cater to your donkey. So simply put, the end is considered to be the wild place. <laughs> Jesus was born in the wild place. That's the end of the verse. Now, it says that she brought forth her firstborn son wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. And this is the meat of what I want to deal with. I want to talk about the manger. When heaven gives a gift, heaven gave this gift called Christ and put him in a manger. Now, the manger, and the Greek is talking about, it's a star. Mind you, this manger is set up in the end. And y'all know, we're familiar with the nativity scenes, and we see baby Jesus all nice and wrapped up, laying in the manger. Hmm. 
But I want you to look at this. I want you to see this right here, right? The manger is actually what? It is the stall or crib. It is interpreted as being the stall or crib for the feeding animals. So in other words, the, the manger actually held the water or the food for the animals to eat or drink out of. But they laid heaven's gift in a manger. Well, I'm going somewhere. Y'all remember the sermon series we had a while back and we called it Table Talk? And, and in Table Talk, remember, we kept talking about the altar and how we, we, we explained to you how the altar is God's table. Well, I want you to see, see, if the manger is where the animal's food and their water is supposed to be, then guess what? Symbolically, the manger is actually an altar. We're talking about heaven's gift was placed on the altar when it came here. Oh, I know y'all don't like that. See, the manger is what he was laid in. And when you think about the manger, guess what? The manger was going to manage him, keep him in a particular place. See, there are certain things that when you were born, you were laid in certain things that has tried to manage you from the time you were born up until now. Y'all not going to help me right there? It's some things when you, you came into the world, you've been dealing with it, you're still dealing with it. And this thing has been managing you throughout your life. That's even not my point that I'm trying to make. That's just a little something, right? So they laid him in the manger so we could see this is where the animals will come to eat or come to drink. The Bible declares that he is what? The living bread. The Bible also declares that he is what? The living water. It wasn't by coincidence that he was put into the manger. That he was placed into this actual altar. Because guess what? It is here in the wild places that guess what? When you talk about the flesh of man. Because I'm going there. But let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Getting ahead of myself, right? The manger, it holds the water, it holds the food. He's the living bread and he's the living water. This is not coincidental that he's placed in the manger. God has served his table and put his son on it. See, we look at, okay, uh, what we call to be the last supper when he broke. No, he was already broke. We was already drinking from him when he first came. Right? You see what I'm saying? It, from the manger. Now, this, when we break down this word manger, let's look at the first, well, the first letter is M, right? When you go into the Hebrew, M denotes Mem. <laughs> oh, I'm going so well. Mem. Mike, you gonna give him a picture, Mike? Sure. Got to flow with Mike. Mem. This is the letter. This is the open form of Mem. There are two forms of the Hebraic word, or letter, I should say, Mem. There was the open form, and then there was the closed form of Mem. This is the first letter of the word manger. Mem. Take me to that picture, Mike. Break. I want you to see some of the things that, that that Mem represents, right? Now, when you talk about Mem, the mystery of Mem, Jewish mysticism, what Jewish mysticism is speaking of is speaking to the spiritual things. It's speaking to the spiritual things or the spiritual sides of things. Mem. Mem is the letter of what? Water. 
symbolizing the spring of the Torah, just as the waters of an underground spring rise upward from an unknown source to reveal themselves, so does the spring of wisdom rise up from the mysterious source, uh, uh, the mysterious source that is God, right? Two, the meaning of Mem. Traditionally, Mem has several related meanings, waters, peoples, nations, languages, and tongues. Laid on the altar when the manger, and we understand the waters are symbolic for spirit, People, see, when we go back to waters, he's going to quench your thirst. People, he's going to deliver them little people inside of some of us. Nations, we understand individuals are seen and viewed as nations. I'm going to deliver nations. Languages, you see, most of us, we don't talk the same language. But I'm going to come and make it right so y'all can be able to talk and understand one another. Tongues. Right? Says so the name of the letter probably signifies what? The name of the letter probably signifies water itself and its, it's most ancient forms. Were, okay, go. Go to number three says what? Open and closed, Mem. As mentioned above, Mem has two forms, an open form and a closed form. The open form of the letter is set to represent the revealed truth of God. We understand Christ is who? He is the revealed truth of God. Whereas the closed form is said to represent the, con the concealed truth of God. That could be your Old and New Testaments. Where you find Christ in the Old as well as in the New. He's all throughout. <laughs> I don't know if I wanted to, I didn't want to do number four. That's all I gave you, right? That's the first letter of the word manger. Mem in the Hebrew. As we move across this word manger, take me back to that, to that, to that. Manger, right? What are the, what are the first three letters? What does that spell, y'all? Because y'all are very, y'all, oh, y'all are so intelligent. Uh, so the first three letters of the word manger spells what, class? Man, right? Oh, I'm just trying to see who's participating, who's, who's alert. The first three letters of the word manger spells what, class? Okay. Okay. Man, right? <laughs> Look, y'all, so we understand man, man, man is interpreted flesh, right? Flesh. The Greek definition, one of the Greek definitions of the word flesh is talking about the sensuous nature. The sensuous nature of man, or simply put, the animal nature. He was born in the wild places, what has been designed for animals, he was laid in a manger, symbolically speaking, which is what? An altar where he's been served. But the manger is actually the place where the animals partake of their food and their water. Flesh. The first three letters, man, flesh. We all have a wild side. <laughs> but he says, come to the manger and drink. Oh, they don't like this. Because see, I'm not yelling this stuff. Oh, but come to the manger and come eat. Because guess what? The bread of life has been poured out and the, and the, the living water has been poured out for you. Because so guess what? I'm going to deliver you from this wild side, this wild nature on the inside, this sensuous nature. Meaning I only respond for the most part to what I feel. My senses. 
He's trying to teach us how to be spiritual beings inside the kingdom, but your flesh keeps telling you to go back or revert back to your senses. So that's why you'll be like, well, that's not what I heard. It isn't what you heard. That's not what I saw. It is not what you saw. Your eyes and your ears will play tricks on you. He's trying to deal with what? Your flesh. So from a child, Christ has been sent to do what? Deal with this flesh. Class, are y'all still there? Now, if we take off the first letter of the word manger, what word do we have, class? Class, if we take off the first letter of the word manger, what word do we have, class? And see, for most of you, you are out of place because of what? You can't do the will of God because of what? You can't love him right because of what? You can't love your neighbor like you love yourself because of what? You can't really be delivered because of what? You still mad about what he's called you to do. You still mad about who he's called you to be. And you still mad about who he called you to work with. But tell somebody, you ought to come to the manger. You ought to come to the manger and go eat of Jesus. You ought to come to the manger and go drink of Jesus. So you can be delivered from your flesh. Delivered from that anger. Delivered from that resentment. Delivered from that bitterness. That rage. That wrath. That murder. Oh yeah, that unforgiveness. Baby, you need to be delivered. So what am I saying? Go to the altar. They don't go to the altar no more. Ain't no room for you in the end. Nah, you want it plush. You want to sit in the chair. No, Mary, go have that baby on the ground. And when you understand Jewish culture, see, this is the thing. When you look at swaddling clothes, Think about it like this here. It's an inn designed for animals. Typically, they say the swaddling clothes are the old torn racks that they would use to after they milk cows and stuff. I'm going to wash and dry the cow teeth off. <laughs> so Jesus was wrapped in filthy clothes. Symbolically, he came and was wrapped in this nasty flesh. But when you also interpret swaddling clothes, it is also said she birthed a child without a midwife. It is speaking to the fact that she didn't have no help. Let's see, in Hebraic culture, they always had a midwife pregnant. And see, this is the position. Oh, yeah, they would place some rocks underneath her tail. And she would sit and hover over the rock. Oh, yeah, boo, this is what it looked like. There was no epidural to put in her back. She was pushed, and the midwife was there to catch the baby before the baby hit the rocks. Squat and push, Mary. Out here where the animals are. Go have the baby on the ground. Swaddling clothes denote Joseph did not help. 
So the scripture said she birthed them all by herself, then wrapped them up all by herself. Then put him in the manger with half of her placenta hanging out with blood dragging behind. Oh, excuse me for the image, but I'm trying to let somebody know how it really was. But it didn't stop her from what she had to birth and carry to this earth realm. Unpleasant, uncomfortable, and downright nasty. But guess what? I got to birth the king of kings into this earth realm. I got to push the savior of the whole world into this earth realm. It is a must that I have him here. Because if I get too comfortable... God even understood. And let's just imagine if it were an inn that had rooms that people can actually be lodged in. God made it be so that guess what? Throughout the taxing, guess what? I'm going to have every room filled because guess what? You got to birth him in a while. Because guess what? He's coming for wild things. I didn't come for those that were well, but I came for those that were sick. I'm coming for the wild ones. I'm coming for the ones that got the wild nature. I'm coming for the ones that's snapping all the time. I'm coming for the ones that's biting at you all the time. I'm coming for the ones that's clawing at you. Those are the ones that I came for. Because guess what? I delivered the wild ones as well. You talk about girls going wild, but what about the men going wild? What about the boys going wild? The preachers going wild? The prophets go wild. The evangelists have gone wild. The teachers have gone wild. The mothers have gone wild. Deacons have gone wild. Ministers have gone wild. Children have gone wild. The whole church has gone wild. But thank God, God brought forth the king to deliver us from the wild side. You're not going to help me. Most of us, right now, so full of anger. Mad that he let this pressure come in your life. Mad that certain folk don't walk away and now you got to do certain things by yourself. Oh, but Mary is the perfect example. Her husband was present, but he didn't offer no help. She pushed him out, wrapped him up, and laid him in the manger all by herself. Guess what? It can be done with you all by yourself. You're too busy. Worried about the other folk. When you don't even understand, you're out of position thinking about them. All you are focused on is them. No, I'm going to let the tax come. I'm going to let the pressure come. I'm going to let the stress come. Because guess what? It's going to push you and maneuver you back into position. I'm trying to get you to the house of Britain. I'm trying to get you back in your word. I'm trying to get you back to talking to me. I'm trying to get you back to trusting me. I'm trying to get you back to believing me. I'm trying to get you back to it is shadow when I say it. Oh, but you are so worried. You are so confused. You are so anxious. You are so fearful. You are so fretful. But I let the stress come. Because I'm trying to let it move you back. Where you're supposed to be. The first letter has dual forms. Represents the main thing that we can see. It represents water. I'm trying to get your spirit back in the right place. Because too many times your spirit is being overran by your man. <laughs> Literally, physically, and symbolically. Some of you can't be spiritual because of your man.
Because your man tell you, you got to pray about everything? Yes, I do. You got to pray for everything you got to pray about? Yes, I do. You got to pray about what you're supposed to wear? Yes, I do. You got to pray and ask God to help you cook this food? Yes, I do. No, you got to pray while you're in the shower. You got to pray while you're on the phone. You got to pray when you get up. You got to pray. I'm saying you got to pray when you get out of the bed. You got to pray before you get in the bed. Yes, I do. So the reality, some of y'all, your man won't even allow you to be spiritual. He'll say stuff like, it don't take all that. But then that's where you got to say, you don't know me. Then you really don't know me. The truth be told, it, it doesn't take all that. It takes much, much more. It takes the prayers that I pray for myself, but you don't understand. I already called my pastor and said, Pastor, pray for me. I told my mama, mama, pray for me. I told my grandma, grandma, pray for me. Guess what? I told my best friend, best friend, pray for me. I even got a prayer partner, prayer partner, pray for me. I said, Jesus, I know you are the innocent. I show need your prayer. Pray for me. It take all of that prayer for me. So when it's not your literal man, it's your fleshly man that will stop you from being spiritual. All oh, those appetites that your, your fleshly man craves. And, and, and the thing is, your, 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 the appetite of your fleshly man, it wants another man. It wants a man. It wants companionship. You're craving it. You're longing for it. Till you're out of position. You no longer focus on the things of God. Ooh, but see, you don't even understand why God let this pressure, because you keep misinterpreting the pressure, and you're looking at pressure as if it was a negative thing. But God in all his sovereignty, God in all of his goodness allowed the pressure, the stress to come. He said, because guess what? I wanted to move you back in position, because when I waited on you to get in position on your own, you refused to get back in position. You failed to take heed to the word that kept coming. So guess what? I must allow the pressure and the stress to move you back in place. Get back to the house of bread. Get back to your word. Get back to praying the word. Get back to standing on the word. Get back to trusting God. Get back to believing God. Get back to talking to God. Get back to praising God. Get back to worshiping God. I wish somebody you would just get back to obeying God. Your anger. How long are you going to stay in Galilee? Meaning the circuit of the circle, the cycle of anger. Y'all know, we're coming up on a new year. This is time that we take and look and have self-reflection. And we look about what we've accomplished over this current year. And we make goals and set goals of how we're going to be better in the new year. Only lies, you should go ahead and repent right now for that lie you tell it. Because you ain't about to honor none of them goals. You just, just for the sake of looking good to some of them folks. So you should go ahead and repent right now. They're talking about you about to exercise. You a lie. Go ahead, God, I repent for telling that lie, God. I ain't about to exercise. I may exercise one day, God. But the truth be told, God, I know I'm going to fall off. Go ahead and tell the truth because you know you. And since we've been talking about discipline, that you have none of that. So God is trying to get you to build discipline in you. You should say, God, I'm going to try to exercise. See, I'm learning. I'm saying, God, I'm going to try to exercise this new year. <laughs> I'm going to try, God. I'm going to try to exercise, God. Now, my try looks like I may get one day in out of the week, God. But I try. 
And out of the one day, it's got to make good, good 10 minutes in, but I tried. Depend, oh, you got to understand, depending on the certain exercises now. Now you go according to other folk playing who are already in shape, giving me fit to sit up. You got to give me a, a get in shape. You got to give me a get in shape. Work me up to this, man. Say two sit-ups. And let me knock that out. Bow, bow. And I'm like, yep, did that. But the 50, I got the 10. It was like, man, I, I can't do this. Oh, yeah, nigga. That is me starting somewhere at the two, right? Hey, man, listen. I got it. I'm going to design a plan for us that are out of shape. Two sit-ups, y'all. You know what? It's going to be legal to do women push-ups on my list. <laughs> what? Do them on, get on your hands and knees and go up and down. Listen, till we, till we graduate to this, this regular push-up, man, we just got to get moving. I know it's cold. You don't want to walk outside? Well, walk in and out your room. Go in and come out. Go in and come out. Do it about 50 times. Are we going to cut out all these excuses? It's cold because you can't go outside and walk. Okay, you know what I do? I walk around the counter in my kitchen. I get dizzy, but I'll be like, I need to sit down for a second. But I walk. I'm so serious. I I tried it. I said, now that hurts. (laughs) My legs ain't ready for all that yet. That hurts. Because he on top of trying to do imaginary jump rope for three straight minutes. I said, mm. That forming them abs back. I said, hold up. That's going up. See, I go up the steps all kind of different ways. I just be uh, uh, just doing stupid stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, doing too much, man. No. So I'm going to go up the steps when I have to go to my bedroom. That's <laughs> it. None of this extra stuff, man. I'm going to create a list, man. It's going to be good for all of us. But the anger. Think about it. In the book of Ephesians, it tells us what? Don't let the sun go down on your. Speaking to the anger that we deal with. So what is he saying when he says don't let the sun? He said, don't let the day end without you dealing with your anger. Now, how is it? Weeks have passed. So days have passed and you have not dealt with your anger. Months have passed and you have not dealt with your anger. Who ought to come to the manger? Which is really being interpreted, the altar. Truly unknown, son of son, meet me at the altar. Y'all don't remember that. I remember that. Meet me at the altar. They also sung a song. This is where the oil comes from. It's at this altar. That's where that oil came from. Because it was at this altar where you brought your issues to God. It was at this altar where you brought your struggles to God. It was at this altar where you brought... Okay, they don't talk about this in church no more. But it was at this altar that you brought your downright sin to the altar. And you said, God, I'm going to tie myself back to the horns of the altar. That when you start dealing with the truth of who I am, God, because I tied myself, God... I can't get away from this truth, God. Even when the truth is uncomfortable, God. Even when the truth is fearful some days, God. Even when your truth makes me mad. I can't get away when I want to get away. I can't get away even if I try. Because I've been tied to the horns of the altar. Do you understand? It was a sacrifice that was tied to the horns of the altar. 
it was the animal that was tied to the horns of the altar that while the priest would take care of the priestly duties and preparing for the sacrifice this animal or the sacrifice can escape Paul tells you what I beseech you therefore brethren that you present your bodies a living holy and acceptable which is your reasonable service you want Jesus to come bring you to the altar the Paul told you present yourself take yourself to the altar see something every now and then you got to get back to the this is between me and God Pastor, ain't no offense. I know you can get a prayer through, but this, this is between me and God. Trust me, I won't be offended. I say that energy. You need to know. Say that energy. I won't be mad if you say it between you and God. Because I understand I can't do what God can do. You ought to be tired of having an experience with God. Do you understand the fact that you are breathing God's breath? You experience God? Do you understand the fact that you are here hearing me speak concerning God's word, that you are experiencing God? But there is a difference between experiencing God and encountering God. It's time out for the experience. God, I need another encounter. Because let me, let me say this, something should be wrong. If you're still talking about when you first got saved. What happened when you first got saved? So you mean to tell me this God that was, is, and is to come. Who's already in your future, in your present, and in your past at the same time. You mean to tell me this God that abides, I'm, he stays in your future, your present, and your past. And because you're trying to get to your future, you mean to tell me this God doesn't know anything about your future, can't do anything concerning your future? Only thing you got to go on is now what's considered to be your past. When I got saved in 1990, that's past. What has he done for you now? It's a problem if you still operating on your, when you first got saved. If you can't tell us nothing God has done for you since the time you first got, there is a problem with your salvation. It is a problem with your salvation. But look at heaven's gift, y'all. Heaven's gift came unwrapped only to be wrapped up in stinking dirty flesh. Much more than stinking dirty flesh. But he came also to put on your sins and my sins. Only to be unwrapped again when he was getting ready to be nailed to the cross. Who would serve a God like this? Heaven's gift. And so God, if all you got to do is release a little bit of stress or pressure in my life to get me back in position, God, then so be it. Because they don't say this in church no more. I just, God, I just want to be right. They don't say that. At me. I 
I'm trying to be as he is. He is holy. So I'm trying to live holy right now. Because I have everything that I need to live holy right now. It is a matter of making a decision. Will I come? Abide at the altar. So he was in the wild place for a significant time. For the duration of the birth, he was in the wild place. But I love Jesus. We told you how in Matthew chapter 4, he went to go conquer the wild place. What the children of Israel failed to do in 40 years, he did it in 40 days. So everything that he's going to encounter, he's going to conquer. Everything has to come subject to him. Who would serve a God like this? See, some of us, we be talking about the stress that's on our job. If it's that stress, but why, you haven't you, why haven't you taken your job to him? Why haven't you brought him on the job? I care about your balls get on your nerve. Why haven't you, have you brought Jesus on the job? Because everything that he encounters, he conquers. If you have an unruly boss, a boss that refuses to understand, a boss that refuses to relent, be merciful, bring the God of mercy on the job. What am I saying? Go pray on your job. I ain't saying you got to walk around your cubicle. Now they might fire you. I'm saying let the Holy Ghost give you wisdom. Be on the property of the job. You might have to go to your car during your lunch break and in the car. Yeah, everybody want a parking lot ministry. You got an opportunity to have one. Don't prophesy in the parking lot. Pray in the parking lot. Everybody want to prophesy in the parking lot. Tired of these parking lot prophets. No, we need some parking lot intercessors. Pray in the parking lot. And maybe situations on your job will actually change. If you bring Jesus on the job. Bring Jesus into the home. Bring him back into the marriage. And if you're not married, bring him into the relationship. Because see, you can't, you can't, I don't know you're in a relationship, you can't do what you want to do. But if you ain't married, the Bible says, please, fornication. And if you just can't stop fornicating, then get married. He said, he'd rather you marry than you burn. I just ain't about to let no man jeopardize my spot up there in heaven. Oh no, some folk are head over heels by the man. We've seen folk quit Jesus because of a man or a woman. Let me drop this little nigga. I've been wanting to, I've been wanting to drop this for a minute. Look at this right here. Because we've been talking about Matthew chapter 4. Can you put it up? Matthew chapter 4. Y'all remember I told y'all there are three G's that will make a man fall? Gold. Gold, which is money. Glory. And girls. Well, guess what? It works both ways. It works for the dudes and it works for the chicks. 
Three G's will make a man fall, but three G's will make a woman fall too. Gold. You class, look at the class. Gold, guys, and glory. He conquered all of it, y'all. I said, like, God, look at you, only, only you. And then the devil take him up into the holy city and set him up on the pinnacle of the temple, right? We told y'all how that was religion, right? When you see the mountains, right, and you understand the kingdoms, the kingdoms signify gold, right? And he's talking about the glory of them. Remember when the enemy kept trying to get him to come out of his identification. The pride, the pride denotes glory, right? Go back to the pinnacle of the church because remember we told you the church, religion, that was symbolic of the church, the woman. So you see how he conquered all the three G's? The church denotes the girl because he's a guy. Jesus is a guy. The church denotes the girl. The kingdoms denote the glory, that, that pride. Or, or, or money, I should say, the gold, the gold, the gold, the gold, the gold. And when the enemy kept trying to get him to come up out of his identity, it denoted the pride thing, but he humbled himself. He humbled himself. The pride speaks to the glory. So you see how everything he touched, he conquered. So even the three G's that we struggle with in our flesh, whether you're a guy or whether you're a gal, he conquered that. So money doesn't have to, money doesn't have to rule over you because guess what? He conquered that. That man or that woman that you want so bad, that doesn't have to rule you because he conquered that. And the glory and the fame that we all think we have to have, he conquered that. Who wouldn't serve a God like this? We're talking about heaven's gift, y'all. Bad somebody, he came in a manger. Dirty clothes on. <laughs> that, but that dirty baby had mojo about him. I was going to get it in there. I was going to get it in there. That dirty baby had mojo about him, though. Come on, put your hands together for the word of Jesus.